Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! What a solid he is doing us right now, sitting courtside at a hurricane practice in Houston on the eve of his <laughs> last Final Four. He is our little buddy. Mr. Jim Nance. Jimmy, how are you today, pal? Okay? Hello, friend. I am really happy to be able to visit with you and just have a chance to connect. Your name has already popped up twice here today inside this building. How uh, is that, Jim? How has that happened? Uh, well, Tom Moore came over during the UConn practice. The old assistant coach for a long... He's not old at oh, all. Oh, sure. I know. Tom's my buddy. Yes, go ahead. Tell me. Tom's your buddy, and he, you know, was stolen all the great things about you as a friend and Gino Ariema was with me at the time just having a great visit with Gino and I said guys I'm actually going on with the dog so I guarantee you both are going to be mentioned during that segment later today so very good your friends are everywhere and look for Timmy Roussel the guy that you broadcast his 18th hole at Cyprus a couple of years ago he's bouncing around that campus somewhere too um, when you started in 91 Jim did you ever think that you'd be the voice of the final four for about 33 34 years <laughs> well, I had hosted it for five years, 86 through 90. And, you know, CBS and Brent parted ways after the 90 Final Four. And about two months later, nothing had been decided as to exactly how they were going to dole out the assignments that, that Brent formerly possessed. And Teddy Shaker, the executive producer, had a profound influence on my career, said, hey, I'd like to meet you for... Uh, for breakfast, and I like to talk about your future. So I said, sure. I was nervous about it. We met at a diner off the uh, Merritt Parkway. And uh, exit like 35, 36 over there near Stanford. And he said, what do you want to do? You know, the NFL today or college basketball with Philly? I said, oh, Ted, I don't know. And and I'm not sure he's actually in the end was going to give me a choice. He said, I said, I'd like to know what you think. He said, I think you ought to go with Billy Packer. You filled in for Brent for the last four or five years a number of times. You guys have great chemistry, and you could do it for a long, long time. And uh, if you want to host a studio one day, I think you'll have a chance. But I would like Greg to do that, and I'd like you to do the basketball. And that's exactly I said at that point. Whatever you have faith in, I knew he had always, and still does to this day, my best interest at heart. I said, let's do it. So it was decided right there at a diner off the merit. Wow. And I uh, not only that, yeah. Your f- yeah. and your first big Final Four, you had that classic Duke game against UNLV. Did you not? Was, I had it. It was the second game of the semifinals. The first game that day was Roy Williams in his first Kansas Final Four going against his mentor in Dean Smith. Kansas and North Carolina. And Dean actually uncomfortably got thrown out of the game. You're exactly right. In the last couple of minutes, and no one in the college basketball community thought that was the right thing to do to Dean and embarrass him like that. But he got thrown out. Kansas won. And the second game was Duke against defending champion and undefeated UNLV. And Duke beat him, and as you said, in that classic game. Uh, Anderson Hunt had a shot at the end uh, that didn't fall, and Duke went on and won the championship and won it again the next year. But, you know, when I first got the, the, the gig on play-by-play, CBS held an introductory press conference and one of the calls one of the questions on the call came in how would you like to one day how many years would you like to do this and i had no idea i was 30 years old 
I'm 63 now. So more than a half a lifetime ago. And I was asked, uh, how many years would you like to do it? So I said back, what's the record? And the answer was six. Musburger and Dick Enberg had each done six Final Fours play by play. That was the record. Wow. You know, I thought that was a attainable, but I wanted to get through the first one to make sure, you know, it worked out and CBS was happy with it and all. And so now Monday night will be my 32nd. So if that was the record, you know, we moved past that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah sure, you smashed it. You smashed it if that was the record. Uh, you know, Billy, uh, you know, you've known him. I know you have a very great relationship with him, and you probably did beforehand. But Willie's, you know, he, you know, him and Gary Bender, not the greatest thing. You know, Billy always, you know, was pretty firm in his opinions. You had to make sure you give him a little room. How about your relationship with Billy that first year or so, learning how to work with his and the way he did bombastically and very well, Learning how to how he did it as an analyst. How about that as a play-by-play guy? Uh, I, I, I was in awe of being with Billy, and I had been. Like I said, I had done a, a, a number of games filling in for Brent when Brent had um, NFL Today conflicts. So, you know, in those days I did a lot of regular seasons. So I'd do some January games because I we didn't have golf kicking in until February. So I had a rhythm and timing down with Billy, but more than that, I had a friendship. You know, he was a big uh, golfer, not that he, he he played it all that much. His boys were both exceptional golfers and went and played in college. Mark at Clemson and Brent uh, was on the Houston golf team. And Billy lived on a golf course up in the Winston-Salem area called Bermuda Run. I actually met Billy Packer when I was a sophomore in college, and his home course was hosting the NCAA golf championships. And I went up and made an introduction. He was out watching uh, our team play. And I was there uh, tagging along as like a team manager. I wasn't good enough, not even close to being in the first five. But he was out watching Freddie Couples play. And I went over and said, Mr. Packer, I'm your number one fan. You and Jim Thacker on the C.D. Chesley productions of ACC basketball. It's my favorite thing. You're my favorite announcer. That was in 1979. And by 1991, I was sitting next to him calling a Final Four. We did it for 18 years. You know, dog, I've got to tell you, because I know you had a great relationship with Billy. And I did, too. He spoke at my father's funeral, and this is how close we were. I had this this idea, this dream, whatever you want to call it. Report to me. I didn't want to get too far out in advance of it, but I wanted to be able to walk off the court and be able to like give him a hug. Now, I'm a nostalgic person. Billy is the exact opposite. Billy is the least nostalgic person maybe you'd ever know. Right. But I thought he might do it, but... Staying in touch with the family and all, I knew that Billy's health had taken a really bad turn in in October and November, and that was just not going to happen. And on January 25th, he passed away. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking about him a lot. I'm not going to kid you. It, it was a special bond and friendship, and it went well beyond the years of 2008 when he called his last game. It was always there. I got to talk to Billy the last night of his life. He was failing and. His kids put a, you know, put the phone close to him, and um, they had it on speakerphone, and we talked. I timed it for twelve minutes. Wow, how about that? And I got to talk to him about his uh, some of the hijinks that you know we saw together. We watched him do silly things on and off the court at dinners, etc. And I could hear him laughing. His voice was raspy, but I got to tell him I loved him. And uh, the next day, uh, he was gone. Uh, the difference 
with you making the adaptation to the three-man booth with uh, Grant and Raph. You know, that's a little trickier. You got to give those two guys lots of room to maneuver. You are very good, always have been, of making your partners shine. Always. You, you always have the golf, everything. But now you got the two guys you got to make shine. How about that change here in the broadcast booth with these Final Fours, Jim? Talk about that. We've been doing it since 2015. So we've done many games together. Of course, we had a COVID year where there was not a tournament. So what would this be then? This would be our eighth NCAA tournament. And when you add up all the games plus the Big Ten, we're over 100 games into it. It's a very easy dance step. There actually is nothing coordinated like a dance step. I give them uh, the space to be able to really carry on a running dialogue between the two of them talking strategy. And I don't like broadcasts that are over-talked to begin with. So I'm going to give them a lot of room to do it's not necessary for me to call uh, every rebound, every dribble. It's not a radio broadcast. And they're just great guys. You know, Grant Grant won that championship. Uh, well, he was on the winning team in 91 and had the play of the game when he had this throwdown dunk. Oh, he had that dunk. He had that, uh, that, yeah. uh, that dunk. Yes, he did, 100%. And I have a friend named John Coleman'sberger who used to work in research at CBS. He's a very treasured friend. He comes up with some things that you can't even believe. But he went back and saw my first game as the official play-by-play broadcaster for the lead package with Billy in the regular season. And it was in December of 1990. It was Duke at Oklahoma. And he called me up and said, you know, you came on the air and Billy congratulated you for the job. And we were talking about in the opening about uh, heading all the way to Indianapolis eventually this season in the final four and then the game began and the first basket in my new role was a basket made by grant hill and now he's going to be sitting next to me on monday night and then you got parallels and weird things that are just uh kind of things i get hung up on but my first my first ncaa tournament game i called was in 1986 play by play and bill raftery was was the analyst Oh, was he really? Against Old Dominion games. So all these little parallels early in your life, you never know what stuff comes back to you full circle. That somebody's in your life, they come, they go. You never know that down the road you're actually going to maybe be reunited and share some really important times with these folks in your life. And I've just loved their friendship. And that's the hardest thing. Tracy Wolfson's the sideline reporter. I'll get to work with Tracy on the NFL for years to come. She's the best. Uh, but Raft and, and Grant, it, it's that's one of the hardest things about saying goodbye. But, you know, it's the right time. And it, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, the two great calls, Suggs in an empty building against Gonzaga, Jenkins on the last play against North Carolina. You nailed them both. Go ahead. Talk about those two. <laughs> well, you're nice. You never know when something's going to happen. You have to be alert at all times. Nothing can never be pre-planned or scripted. I'm in the very building where Jenkins hit the shot. It was in this building in 2016. And it was one of my favorite calls, not because of anything I said, but because Raft and Grant got inserted in that five-second stretch from the inbounds until the shot went through the hoop. No one stepped on, on anyone else, and it was just in perfect symmetry. We were aligned. It, it, again, you can't coordinate it. It's just instincts when someone's taking a breath, but you can add something different. And as Archie Diacono is, is bringing the ball up court frantically in the last second, Grant inserts 
watch out for Jenkins. And I was able to just kind of complete his sentence. They get it to Jenkins for the championship. And the ball dropped. And then Raph just kind of went off with his onions and all that great stuff. And um, we had a championship call that all three of us were involved in. And I love being able to share it and not just take it over as a one-man broadcast. It's never been of any concern for me on something like that. The Gonzaga game, you're right. It was in a pretty empty. There were limited fans. There were cardboard cutouts. It was in that area. We just went through all of that. Um, it wasn't that long ago. We had the 20 season, of course, our, our postseason canceled. So we were a year removed from having experienced the Final Four. And the tournament took place in its entirety in Indianapolis. I was there for 27 days. Um, from the Big Ten tournament through the NCAA tournament, not allowed to leave my room, never saw Grant or Raft anywhere other than at the game site. Wow, how about that? Um, we weren't allowed to be able to be in the same room, much less even have a meal together. So we never did for a month. And, um, you know, Suggs got that inbounds pass and was kind of already in stride, and he just had a feeling that he was going to get off a good shot and a good look, and uh, he made it. Uh, to give Gonzaga a spot in the championship game. The thing that that, that shot lacked was the follow-up. Had they won the championship against Baylor, the shot would have stuck out more. Excellent point. You know? Yeah, it would have stuck yep. out more. That was a that was an all-time great game, but you're right. The fact that they lost the next two nights later is a factor. Uh, Jim, uh, which it takes away a little of it, the star of it. How about leaving, Jim? Well, let's do this weekend first. I mean, I, you're an emotional guy anyway. Uh, I know they're having a big party for you. Uh, one of these nights, uh, I had McManus on at the Super Bowl. They're going to make a big, you know, CBS would do something on air. Probably do a little highlight package. So Saturday would be emotional. And then Monday night, you know, shining moment, you sit in the building. And you can be sentimental. How are you going to handle these next three or four days? Let me hear. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm committed to absorbing it all and not... You know, getting over the top sentimental. I'm not retiring from broadcasting. I hope to be continuing on with it for many years to come with the NFL and with golf. I'm, I'm going to be retiring to about a 40-week-a-year schedule on the road. I mean, it's still a lot more than than maybe I, you know, other colleagues of mine would work. But it's it's a it's a full and it's a rich schedule. Um, but yeah, you know, I am I am nostalgic sentimental same thing but i i think what i'm feeling and, and i think nostalgia sometimes people think it's it's layered with sadness and i have listen in my heart billy's not here pat mcgrath my stats guy died of a heart attack on the eve of the tournament 30 years the ncaa tournament together with pat everybody that's done play-by-play worked with pat but i had him full-time on the ncaa tournament for almost a generation and a half um, those are definitely thoughts that I'm, I'm going to be carrying with me, but this is a happy, joyous occasion. And my, my nostalgia or sentimentality is usually born out of gratitude as opposed to a feeling of sadness or being maudlin. This is, this is a feeling of, of, um, of just gratitude of having had so many fond, wonderful memories and working with great people and getting to know generations of players and coaches and trying to somehow lend the right tone to it all and tell the proper stories and allow America to get to know them a little bit better. Um, 
I'm really looking forward to it. That party you referenced is tonight. Um, and that will probably be the hardest thing for me. That and when one shiny moment plays in the building and across America's living rooms on Monday night, that's a ritual for me with my oldest daughter. We stand on the court. We've done it for years and years. And um, we, we take in that moment together. And that's always been my favorite moment of all is having that end of the tournament I love moment it. with my daughter, watching one shining moment play together arm in arm. So that that's going to have a lot of deep meaning to me. That's, that's the one that will probably strike the biggest chord. How about this being in Houston? Does that add something to it? It does. Uh, it, 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 this was the plan. This was the plan for me all along. I actually was thinking back at the end of the 19 tournament when Virginia won that maybe looking ahead, the next time CBS was going to have the Final Four in, a, in its alternating format with Turner, um, would be 21, and 21 was going to be in Indianapolis. And I thought, well, I started my play-by-play at the Final Four uh, at Indy, and that would be the right place to do it. I was ready to be able, again, try to find more time to be home to be a dad. That that was the, the driving force for me. So anyway, I was thinking 21. I, I had discussed it briefly a little bit with, with Sean and with David Burson, but we never made anything formal about it. And then 20 rolls around and the tournament's canceled. So I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't even know what 21 is going to look like. Are they even going to have a tournament? So I'm not going to do it there. 22 is not going to be an option because, again, nothing against Turner, but I wanted to have the goodbye on a CBS year. So the next one on CBS's watch was already awarded to Houston, and that made perfect sense to me. Come back to the city, the gateway city for me that gave me my chance gave me my start in the business and um, come back here and call my last game here. And then the advantage that you have, though, Jim, to me, you go right to the golf. If you were cutting out cold turkey on Monday night, that would probably bother you for a couple of weeks until you got a chance to work again. The idea that you go Monday night, you'll be emotional. The daughter you explained on the court, shining moment. You'll be on a plane the next morning, and that's your favorite event. So you get a break there that you don't have to dwell on it too much. Jeez, I just called my last Final Four, Billy Packer, the whole nine yards. Because on Thursday, you get to go with the golf. And you love that. That's an advantage, I would think, for you this week. No? You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But I'm going to tell you, that's an excellent point, Doggy. That's a really, really good point. Because you're right. You could you could sit and, and get... Uh, it, 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 it could linger. It could be harder to let go of. But I've got to turn around like I have for 37 consecutive years, well, except for the COVID year. Uh, I've got to make my way from the Final Four to the Masters. And what an amazing, amazing gift that has been to have those events back-to-back. This will be the last time we'll be back-to-back, but for me. Um, but I, I, I'm really – looking forward to that i say i'm looking forward to it i'm i'm someone who likes to be present you know where where the feet are that kind of thing and it's kind of hard the temptation to not look ahead because i do get asked about it all the time everywhere it's already today you know a handful of times from people just around you know with these teams coaches sids etc other broadcasters hey you're looking forward to the masters and i am but i'm really looking forward to what's right in front of me right now 
I think that is li- a very good point. I'm, I'm uh, glad you told me that. that, that well, there you go. Good. See, you come out, you come out with me once in a while, and I'll give you, I'll give you some advice. How about the, <laughs> uh, how about the speech tonight? To all your, there's going to be a lot of people there. How about the speech tonight? You're going to have to say something. What are you going to say? Well, I can promise you, I haven't given it one thought. I, I swear I haven't, but uh, I, I, I will say whatever strikes me in my heart at that time. And I'm going to try to be quick because I know people got a lot of work to do. And again, it's going to be a room, I think, of about 70 people, maybe 100. And um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about it. I like speaking from the heart, and that's whether I'm on the air or speaking impromptu on something like this. I, I'm not a guy that believes in taking notes or walking up and reading a speech, whether it's a eulogy or whatever it might be. And if it's start and stop and it's uneven and my uh, words are coming out a little upside down so be it i'd rather be i'd rather be natural and unscripted than being scripted and clean and has tonight has, i want my has, heart to speak that's all has bush 43 reached out no i haven't heard from uh from from president 43 at, uh, yet um but he's a big college basketball fan so um I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be watching the games, but it's funny you say that. I remember the last time we were in Houston, I, I brought this up walking in the building with Raph today. When we had the Final Four here in 2016, President Bush Sr. was here. And I was um, in the ramp area where the trucks are and had had dinner with he and Mrs. Bush the night before. So it sounds a little over the top. People don't know, but the whole Houston connection um, it was like a father figure to me, um, and this has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with a loving mentorship um, uh, and being the recipient of that. Um, but I was in I was in the ramp area, and who came up first in a motorcade was Vice President Biden, and I had a great chat with him because I, I had known his son Bo. You know, he tragically Bo died really young of cancer. Um, and I had a great visit with, with the vice president at the time. And he was eager to tell me that he had um, he had won the White House office pool, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't know they were doing that. It <laughs> was wonderful. Uh, yeah, and he and Jill both had uh, teams that they had ties to that had made it to the Final Four that year. So that was cool. Listen, I've met so many interesting people along the way, and it doesn't matter which sport. It's just they brought on so many relationships and friendships that you could never imagine. And um, I'm grateful. I'm back to that place again that's that's bursting out of my heart, just a deep, deep gratitude. Well, take a deep breath and enjoy it, and we'll all keep an eye on it this weekend and enjoy the Masters. It's good to talk to you. We don't talk to you too much on the air. Great to have you with us here, Jim. Thanks very much. Appreciate you coming on. Well, you know what? I loved it when you and Tim came out and saw me at Pebble, and um, he's just, you know, you're, listen, your family's great. He's a special guy, too, your boy. You guys playing that golf together. That was awesome. Well, Thanks, you were there. Let me uh, reminisce a little bit. You know, I... I want to say one thing. I know you're running up against a break here, but Ian will get to do this for many years to come. And I'm really, really excited about him having this this opportunity to take the torch and run with it and take it to bigger and better heights. He will be fantastic. We all know he's unbelievably skilled and that he is equally a great person. 
And my heart is filled with a lot of joy for him to have this chance. I've had my chance for a long time. And I'm very excited about uh, and next year being able to preside over this and, um, and having hopefully as many years at it that, that I've had. Well, let's I have him nothing but the best. Let's have three great games to send you off in a great way. Let's look at it that way. Thank Boys you, have, dog. You let's take care. Talk a little you, more frequently, okay? You got it, Jim. Nice to talk to you, pal. Appreciate you coming on here today. Uh, the great Jim Nance, his last Final Four. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.